Isn't it great to magnify the Lord? His name is the one that we need to magnify and lift up high, isn't it? And in saying that, um, I just want to confess to you, I, I woke up yesterday morning and uh, my knee was about twice the size that it normally is. And so uh, once, once a year, about this time of year, I usually my arthritis and my knee kicks up. And so if you hear me scream out like a little girl, just, just don't lose train of thought with the word of God and all that kind of thing. So it's just, um, I, I feel like now as I've processed this, this uh, my knee problems, that it goes back to um, sports days and how, how sports was so important to me. And um, I lost some perspective with the Lord on that. And uh, do you remember Jacob? Remember when he wrestled with God? And then he walked with a limp afterwards? Sometimes I have to walk with a limp just to remind me that, that sports isn't the most important thing God is. Now, I didn't, I didn't injure or anything like this uh, on Friday, but anyways. Um, so if you hear that scream, just carry on, okay? Let's pray. Father, um, thank, you for, uh, thank you for being able to worship you. We want to magnify your name. I thank you. I thank you that we have a reason to gather, to worship you, to proclaim your goodness. I pray, Lord. That you would, as we, um, we open up your word, and, uh, which is living and active, can change our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that it would. I pray it would not be distracted. I pray that the evil one would not snatch away the word of truth from our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would apply your word so that we would not just um, be like men looking in a mirror and doing nothing about it, Lord. Instead, we would be doers of your word. We would be ones who proclaim your word and live it out. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Well, I'd like for you to, uh, to think back to your first day of school. Can you think back to your first day of school? Maybe your first day of work. And um, maybe you were, you were nervous. Maybe you didn't know what to expect. Uh, maybe this is just recently this happened where you, you got a new job. And um, often when you go through that first day of school or that first day of work, there's some type of orientation process, isn't there? Um, they usually, in that orientation process, they, they kind of tell you what the expectations are of the company or the school. They um, tell you what the policies are. Uh, they will tell you who they're supposed to report to, who your teacher is. Um, they might give you like a handbook, a uh, student handbook, or they will give you um, maybe a, a training manual that you have to go through and you read. And then often what happens is you're kind of left on your own, aren't you, to figure it out. Yeah, has that been your experience? Just like, okay, sink or swim, here it goes. Well, I wonder if you've ever been introduced to the Christian life like that. That the Christian life is like an orientation process. Let me kind of walk you through that. Were you introduced to Jesus? And the one who recruited you for your team, for his team? Were you baptized? Uh, were you um, then given a handbook called the Bible that you're told to, to read and to learn all you can from? Maybe you were also uh, introduced to a small group or a Sunday school class to help you do a little bit of extra work on the side. But I'm wondering if you... Um, we're initiated into the Christian faith more like an orientation process. If so, I'm wondering if we need to revisit our system of discipleship. In fact, I, I've been one who's, who's been responsible for helping disciple you. And uh, I've been thinking a lot more about this. 
I think it's time that we need to think of discipleship less like an orientation process and more like an apprenticeship in God's family business. An apprenticeship in God's family business. Let me explain the difference. See, an orientation is usually for a short period of time when we're introduced to an organization's culture with the goal of being integrated into their system. Whereas an apprenticeship is usually for a long period of time when one is trained by someone who has mastered a certain skill. Apprenticeships always involve watching and listening and asking questions and working alongside the master and, and, and learning from them. Apprenticeships require submission to a master. You're cooperating on projects together as you, you kind of learn as you go on the job. But they're there with you the whole way. So that they, you don't just make mistakes. That they help you through that. See, an orientation is usually treated as something that we do. Whereas an apprenticeship is something that we are. We are an apprentice. I would propose to you today that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are an apprentice in God's family business. And if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you on behalf of our Father into his family. I want you to, um, to know that you can be adopted as one of his sons and daughters in his family. And that he has a job for you. The best job that you could ever experience. Now, some of you are saying an apprenticeship. Now, immediately your mind goes to The Apprentice, right? You remember that show with Donald Trump? And, um, you know, he would bring somebody on to his, into his business. And uh, they had to work really hard and prove their mettle. And, you know, if they messed up, there was always the chance that, Do that Donald Trump would say, what? You're fired. You got it. Now, do you think that our Heavenly Father is going to do that to you? Do you think that he's going to say, you're fired? No. You're part of the family. You're part of the family business. You're in it for life. It's a neat thought to think about. But where am I getting this whole aspect that we are apprentices in God's family business? Do I have any Bible for that? Well, if you would please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. And we're going to see the first time that we, uh, we see Jesus and how he describes his life. And um, in this story, I think it's very helpful for us to, to learn more about how Jesus, Jesus came in a, in a very radical way, taught us a new way of living. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41, if you don't know where Luke is, just look at the table of contents in the front of your Bible. Or if you don't have a Bible, please uh, share with someone next to you that, you don't, that doesn't have one. And it says in verse 41, Every year his parents, that's Jesus' parents, Joseph and Mary, went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. And after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Pause. Whoa. That, that's... We need to, see, to think about that for a second. Mary and Joseph were in Jerusalem. 
They were celebrating the Passover. They were worshiping God. And when did they lose Jesus? They lost Jesus in the temple. Right after worship, after giving, after making sacrifice. This is very important for us to remember. That we can lose Jesus after church today. Goes on in verse uh, 44. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. They began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And then notice verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Mary scolds Jesus for worrying them and not sticking with them. Now, has that ever been true in your life? You've run ahead of God and um, you're upset with Jesus because he didn't stick with you, with your agenda, your plans? You come like, come on, Jesus, keep up. I got some amazing things that are happening here. Can I suggest to you that's because we, we're living in that orientation process as opposed to apprenticeship where we're going with the master and everything that we're doing? We try to be oriented to God's life and we try to figure out our own rules. Whereas Reality is, that's not how Jesus lived. If you look at verse 49, this is what Jesus' response was. He says, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Now, some of your translations, I know, say house there. Actually, the word house is not in the original text. A better translation, I think, is the King James Version here, where it says, to must be about my father's business. You see, Jesus was saying that his commitment was to be engaged in his heavenly father's affairs. Now that was a radical phrase. You might have read this passage before, but I want to tell you that was a very radical statement that Jesus made. You see, back in Jesus' days, a father was not just thought of somebody who who gave you money so you could go to the movies, okay? Young people. Um, he wasn't somebody who he thought, okay, he's going to pay for my university education. He wasn't, a father wasn't just someone who took you to your hockey game and yelled at you from the stands. Your father um, wasn't somebody who just went off to work and you knew the name of the place, but you don't know what, exactly what they do. You know, is it Ontario Power Generation, GM? I don't, I don't know what they do. I just know they work there. Instead, in Jesus' day, your father was somebody you intimately worked alongside with in the family business. Now, how many of you are employed in your family's business? How many? Just a couple here. Okay, just a few. A hundred years ago, it's totally different. Working in the family business was the norm, not the exception. Listen to what Michael Frost says. He says, as late as 1900 in North America, about 90% of fathers were engaged in agriculture. In these agrarian communities, the son characteristically saw his father working at all times of the day and all seasons of the year. 
Can you imagine that? So children would watch and work alongside the parents and see if they worked hard or if they were, they were kind of lazy. They would learn how they, they were to treat their neighbors and whether they did that with hospitality or not. They would learn ethics from their parents. Children still learn ethics from their parents, but when you were working in the family business and you saw your mom or your dad go to the market and you see whether they were honest in their business dealings, it was very, very instructive. You caught a lot. And children, throughout the day, they'd be talking to their parents. There was no texting, there was no TV. There's no video games. There's no internet to compete with. Now, before you think I've gone completely back to 100 years ago, I'm not advocating that we go back to those days. I'm simply stating that for a lot of traditional cultures, the home and work were not separated. They were together. Jesus lived in one of those traditional cultures. Carpenters and blacksmiths often had their workplace um, attached to or very near the home. A son whose father was a farmer would grow up living on the land that his father was working. In this young way, a young man learned their father's trade from an early age. And this is how Jesus grew up too. In Matthew 13 verse 55, it says that Jesus was a carpenter. And then we find in Mark chapter 6 verse 3 that Jesus' earthly father figure Joseph also was a carpenter. Jesus was following in his father's footsteps. And that was true of many of the sons and daughters in that day. So therefore, when Jesus starts to say in his prayer, and starts to introduce this whole idea of father, it's a whole new radical idea. They would have understood back then that their relationship to their fathers was really an apprentice-child relationship. So imagine Jesus when he comes on the scene and his disciples start asking him what, how they should live their lives and how they should engage relating to God. We find the answer to this in Luke chapter 11. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. And we see that Jesus' disciples want to learn more about how to talk to this father that God, that, that, that Jesus has been, has been proclaiming. So it says in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to him, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not in the temptation. The prayer is very instructive because it would have taught the disciples that they had a heavenly father who was not just somebody out there, but was with them all the time. He was going to be daily in their lives and work alongside them, not in what they were trying to accomplish, but in what the Father wanted to accomplish. 
In fact, in another um, scripture, we find that, uh, that Jesus makes this declaration. In John 5, 17. My father is always at work to this very day. And I too am working. And so if the father is always working, doesn't it make sense that we should go to the father and receive his instructions in the family business? If we're really apprentices in the family business? Let's unpack uh, what Jesus says here in verses 2 and 4 of Luke chapter 11. And just, just to reiterate this, okay, just to show you how important this is, is in the context of this, this passage that Luke has, Luke places the teaching, Jesus' teaching on prayer, not on the Sermon on the Mount, but right after a story of Mary and Martha. Do you remember the story of Mary and Martha? Um, Jesus, Jesus comes to their home, and uh, Martha thinks, oh, I gotta put on. I gotta put on a great spread. I gotta put on a really great dinner for Jesus and his disciples. And so let's uh, let's get everything together. And she's working hard. And and uh, where is she? Where is her sister Mary? Sister Mary is hanging out with Jesus, sitting at his feet. And um, she gets pretty upset about this. Come on, Lord, why can't you just tell uh, Mary to come help me? And Jesus says. In verse 41 of chapter 10, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. <laughs> but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then in verse 1 of chapter 11, one day Jesus was praying, literally turning his face to his father. In a certain place. He was sitting at his father's feet. He was receiving, receiving instructions from his father. And so then when he teaches his disciples that they need to sit at his feet, it's very helpful for us, even to today, if we're going to truly be a disciples and apprentices. So first of all, Jesus says, Father. Now, this is very helpful for us because... When Jesus asks us and models to us this prayer, he is telling us, first of all, Father. We recognize that our Father is always there. He's not distant. I think maybe this is why um, Luke excludes the, the extra words that we're used to saying, Father in heaven. It's not there in the original text. Lord want, Luke wants to emphasize that God the Father is here and now. He's here and now. I think that's very helpful for us because so many of you feel so alone. But, you're, but God the Father is here now in your life. He's working with you. And then notice what it says here, hallowed be your name. Some of us maybe treat our fathers like as kind of our buddies. And maybe as parents sometimes we try to be really our kids' best friends. But Jesus stops that. He, he's his father, but hallowed be your name. We respect our heavenly father. He has no peer or equal. His name is holy and distinct. God loves us, but he is beyond just being only our friend. He's our father. We treat him with great respect. We want his name to be lifted up. And then the next phrase that Jesus says is your kingdom come. 
I love the fact that Jesus gets right down to the, the, the matter of things and says, your kingdom come. We've said about that. Do we desire that God's kingdom and his reign would extend everywhere? Do we, we want the rule of God to be shown in people's lives? If that's true, then we no longer want to live in our own separate agenda. We want our Father and his business to succeed and nothing else. Now that starts to really help change our thinking when we, when we start to become very kingdom-focused. Because we know that our Father is the King. And if our Father is the King, then we can go in great strength and in great power. Your kingdom come. Everywhere, Lord, your kingdom come, and we bring it, we know that you're coming with us. It starts to change our whole thinking, having a kingdom mindset. We never work against the rule of the Father because we recognize that the king is our father. And let's just, let's just imagine. T- tomorrow morning, you wake up and um, you, uh, you, you, you go to your mailbox. And in your mailbox is a letter. And it's from Buckingham Palace. And um, the letter says, we were doing some kind of genealogical record searches and we found out that you actually have royal blood. And guess what? You get to come to the big wedding here in a few weeks from now. Would that change things for you? Would you start to think, I'm royalty. You know? I got royal blood in me. How much more so that our father, who's the king of this whole universe, is bringing about his kingdom and doing royal things on your behalf. It gives you great strength, great power. And so to pray this, your kingdom come, you're asking God, I want you to reign. I want you to reign in every aspect of people's lives. The next phrase we see is, give us each day our daily bread. And in this phrase, we actually trust our Father that he will give us exactly what we need for today. The portions will be just right. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And so... Just to apply this, how we pray this prayer, is think about your day, okay? Think about your day. When you get to this part of the prayer, and again, this prayer is is a model prayer. It's not just something we say rotely. We say, Lord, I have this meeting today. I I ask that you would would give me the right words to say. Um, Maybe um, we're looking for provision. We're looking for provision for that exam. And say, God... I'm asking you to help me with this exam. Give us this day our daily bread. You don't worry about tomorrow. You say, God, I know exactly what I need. He'll give you the right portion. That's why it says doubly, give each day our daily bread. And then notice after we've, we've received provision from God, we see that Jesus instructs us to forgive us our sins. See, there's going to be times when we do wrong. And we mess up in the family business, which we're all prone to do. And what we need to do is we come to our Heavenly Father and we seek forgiveness. The Father knows that we're apprentices. And that we we can learn from our failures. This does not mean that He condones our failures or our sins. But He can teach us from them. Is God, are you learning from your failures? Have you sought forgiveness and say, I'm not going that way again? 
That's part of the apprenticeship in God's family business. And then this next phrase, that this kind of makes sense. If we've asked for forgiveness of our Heavenly Father, we have to extend that to others. For we also forgive everyone who sits against us, who sins against us. Our, our Father, if you think about it, created every human being. You know that guy that you don't like or that, that woman you don't like? Guess who created that person? God the Father did. Therefore, it is his business that we forgive those who have wronged us. I'm not saying it's easy, but if you recall that you have been forgiven, then doesn't it make it a lot easier to forgive that person? It really speaks to our Father's fame when we forgive, doesn't it? That God's grace is so amazing in our lives. And so that's why Jesus includes this in this model prayer. And then this last phrase. In fact, I, I find this last phrase to be the most difficult to understand. And lead us not in temptation. Now, now why, why is this so difficult to understand? Because, do you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Rick was preaching through James chapter 1. And in verse 13, it says that God does not tempt anyone. So why do we have to pray, lead us not into temptation? Of course, God doesn't want us to, uh, to give in to temptation. He doesn't tempt anyone. Well, theologian Daryl Box says it this way. This sentence, lead us not into temptation, has the force of cause us not to succumb to temptation. Lead us away from temptation. So let's just make this real practical, okay? Um, that situation that might be difficult in your life, we, as we check in with the father and the family business, we're asking him not to lead us into harm's way. But if he has to lead us into harm's way, then he'll also give us the strength to endure. Back to give us each day our daily bread. So this is, this is the, the prayer. This is, this is what we have to go every day to our Lord with. Our Heavenly Father, seeking his instructions. Now, if you do that, there's great benefits. There's great reasons to, to, to understand that you really are an apprentice in God's family business. Let me give you five reasons. Number one, and, and I just got to say, I sense from talking to a lot of you, that so many of you feel so alone, so alone at work or at school. You love coming to church. You love um, worshiping God. You love coming to small group. But it's pretty lonely at work. Well, what difference would it make to understand and believe that God is with you at work? He's with you. As I look across the room, and, and as you're out there in the community, and your policing work. He's out there at the, at the factory. He's out there in the schools, as you're hanging out with your friends. He's out there in that place of business. What difference would it make that if you realize that he is the one working, and you are just joining him at your workplace. Understanding that you are God's apprentice in the family business means that you will no longer feel alone. You'll no longer feel alone. The second reason that being an apprentice in God's family is really important is because you now have a purpose in your life. I'm to be about my father's business in all aspects of life. At home, at work, at school, at church, in the community. It's not separated. 
I have my purpose. My purpose is to be about his business. What is his business for me right now? I'm going to the Father to pray about that. I have a purpose in life. Thirdly, a third reason that God's, uh, being an apprentice in God's family is really important is that we receive the benefit of joining in God's work. Receiving a benefit in joining in God's work. Pastor Calvin is actually away. He's been away since Wednesday. And uh, he's about, about three hours north from here. And you know what he's doing? He's tapping maple trees with his, with his father. And so they can make maple syrup. Now, Pastor Calvin said that his dad, you know, was a strong man. He could, he could probably get this done on his own. But he wouldn't be able to get it done as quickly as if he had Calvin and the family up there. And, and Calvin would miss out on the privilege of working alongside his father and enjoying his company. Now listen to me. God does not need to save, doesn't need to use us to save anybody, does he? He doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to accomplish all the fatherly things that he needs to do and to increase his family business. He does not need us. But for whatever reason, he has chosen us to enter into his family business so that we can work alongside him and accomplish what he wants to accomplish. That's why in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, it says that we are, and this is an amazing statement, we are God's fellow workers. We are God's fellow workers. And because we're God's fellow workers, we get to enjoy the bounty of his harvest. We get to participate in that. Doesn't that give you strength and encouragement? To know and amaze that God would let us be a part of his work? Such a privilege. Such a privilege to be a part of his work. The fourth reason of being an apprentice in God's family business is really important is because we recognize that we are part of a larger uh, divine family enterprise. There are other family members, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are working in the family business as well. Remember I said that you're not alone? You're not alone because God the Father is with you, but you're also not alone because there are other brothers and sisters in Christ. This is why actually Jesus, when he, when he prays this prayer, in verse 2, when he said to them, when you pray, it's a second person plural. He's saying you should pray this together. You should pray this together. This is the heart of the Father. I, I found this to be true in my life um, over the last few weeks. Um, many of you know Graydon Baker, who is uh, who's our missionary to the university campus here in Oshawa. And... Um, Graydon had been given an opportunity through some of our other Christian students, some of them that attend here, to be able to debate two atheists on the radio, uh, the campus radio. And so Graydon um, gave me the opportunity to join him, and we kind of worked together. And um, this past Friday, Graydon was going to be away, and I thought, man, I don't want to just go on there alone. I know there'll be a few, maybe another few other Christians, but I called up uh, a man by the name of Rod, Rod Rudd, and um, Rod has uh, actually um, uh, been coming to our church since, since uh, maybe late last year, and uh, he works for Campus Crusade for Christ at the University of Toronto, and uh, I, I, I sent off an email, I said, hey Rod, I need a wingman this, uh, this Friday, and he says, he jumped at the chance, he'd done it the week before, and um, it was so great to have another brother with me 
there, who, who gave a different angle, who was strong in, in uh, philosophy. And um, man, I just was encouraged that I'm not in the family business by myself. Do you realize that you are in the family business with other brothers and sisters in Christ? Look for them. Pray for them. You're an apprentice in God's family. And you have an, there's other apprentices who are doing the same thing. Usually, usually one master can only handle one apprentice at a time. Not our Heavenly Father. Not our Heavenly Father. We could all be apprentices in the family business. And the, the fifth reason why we should understand the importance of being an apprentice in God's family is that our focus is now on our father becoming more famous. Have you ever noticed on those father and son signs, the ones I just had earlier, that it never says the names of the sons? Have you ever noticed that? You know, it's, it's always the father's name. Father and sons. I think that's actually true for God's family business. It's all about the Father. It's not about our name. It's all about His glory and His fame. We just get to be and sons. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to, to realize that you are apprentices in God's family business. I was, I was talking to a young man, um, and uh, he was telling me about his grandfather. And his grandfather has 11 children. And um, every morning, his grandfather, you know, uh, puts on some coffee, and all of his adult sons come to the house. And they have coffee with, with their father. And they talk about the family business. And they talk about instructions and who they're going to meet with and, and what they should do. And, and, you know, is there any advice about this situation? And I thought, that is so cool. And I think that is actually the picture that Jesus is giving of us, of how we should relate to our Father. We come to him every morning, and we say, Father, what, what business are you doing? What should we do? You know, we got this situation going on. We got, we got this other thing that I've got a problem in. And so as child apprentices in the Father's business, I challenge you to pray this prayer this model prayer that Jesus gives us each day, thinking about each line in relation to your Heavenly Father. It doesn't just have to be wrote. You say, Father, I just want your name. I know you're here. I want other people to know you. I want you to become more famous. I want your kingdom to come. I want you to reign. I want to see injustice stopped. I want, I want to see poor people taken care of. Like in the Cornerstone Community Association or the Refuge or other initiatives. Lord, I, I, want, I want there to be no longer divorce. I want your kingdom to come and affect every aspect of their life. I want, uh, I, I honestly want people who are, who are policemen or in the law to have less to do. Less crimes. Your kingdom come. Lord, I, I ask that you would provide for us today. D take care of us. Take care of us for our needs. And Lord, I realize that it's all about your grace. Forgive us. And I know that I need to extend that to others. And I'll be about your gospel message. And finally, keep me, keep me from harm. Keep me from temptation. Keep me away from the evil one. I'm going to challenge you for the next 30 days that you wake up and you pray that prayer. Go to your father in the family business and pray.
why don't, we be, why don't we gather together and stand right now? And why don't we pray this prayer together? It's meant to be prayed together as we realize that we are a part of the family business. I have it up on the screen so that we can all say it together. And it's from Luke. So, so watch. Make sure you're paying attention. Let's say it. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. As we sing, we need to remember as the church that we are to be about the Father's business. And that we, this prayer becomes a part of our whole life. Let's pray as the church, a church that's rising up to display our Heavenly Father's business. Someday we will stand with Christ in glory. But first of all, we have to continue on in the apprenticeship in God's family business. And it always starts with prayer before you go anywhere. And if you're able to do that, then we can actually go and proclaim the Father's business, which is the gospel message, the good news. That you can be good news wherever where you go. I challenge you and encourage you. If you're not part of God's family, you can, you can be a part of it today. He wants to adopt you. That's what we just said about, that Christ came to die for your sins so that you could be a part of his family. And if you're part of his family, you have a job to do. It's to be a part of his family business. Let's pray. Father, help us to pray. Help us to seek your instructions. Lord, I pray for those who, who maybe don't know you, who are not part of the family. Maybe this has resonated in their heart. I pray that you would, you would cause in them to embrace the great love that is demonstrated through their son and their new brother if they will give their life to him. Oh, Father, please save us. Please help us to realize our, our, our business is ultimately your business and that we need to focus in on what you're doing and join you in that work. And we just pray this in the powerful and matchless name of your son, Jesus. And God's people said,